You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Friday! I feel like it's been forever since we got to hang out on a Friday. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. The fact that it's a Friday means we get to do sports Tinder. We get to make our five-pick Friday selections. It's been a while since I whooped your butt in predictions for the NFL weekend. I'm ready to get back to that. And we have a lot to get to today. We're going to have a little after-party fun with country musician Chris Young. We're also going to get into that longtime rumor of Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken Jr. All of those in the after-party. You guys can be a part of the show today. Spain and Fitz Nation by joining the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's heating up and fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Fitz, we're going to talk actual football. Two teams on a field playing against each other. But not yet. Because we've got to <laughs> keep talking about this Aaron Rodgers story. And yesterday, I think we tried every plausible way of offering up a suggestion for how and why he may have been misleading instead of lying or use this term, but not really you know, all of the things. Today, it is 100% official. There is no way around it. Aaron Rodgers is the latest addition to the Spain and Fitz clown car. Spain and Fitz take you for a ride in a clown car. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I lose you. Is Earth flat or round? Yeah. I think you need to do research on it. Is this guy left-handed, right-handed? Is he amphibious? Make me a bicycle clown! That's right, the Spain and Fitz clown car's newest member, Aaron Rodgers, who today, in his weekly interview with Pat McAfee Jr. and A.J. Hawk, crossed off a bingo of buzzwords all of which I don't think you could have convinced me a guy who I used to think was a thoughtful intellectual will ever use. But he started off the interview with this angry response, this quote-unquote explanation for why when he was asked if he was vaccinated, he said, yeah, I'm immunized. I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I think I'd like to set the record straight on so many of the uh, blatant lies that are out there about myself right now. And I appreciate the opportunity to tell my side of the story on here. First of all, I didn't lie in the initial press conference. Uh, During that time, it was a very uh, witch hunt uh, that was going on across the league where everybody in the media was so concerned about who was vaccinated and who wasn't and what that meant and who was being selfish and who would talk about it and what it meant if they said it's a personal decision, they should, shouldn't have to disclose their own uh, medical information or whatnot. And at the time, my plan was to say that I've been immunized. It wasn't uh, some sort of ruse or lie. It was the truth. First of all, you don't need a plan for the truth. You just answer the question honestly. Secondly, again, Fitz, this is a guy who now used woke mob, cancel culture, uh, had to mention, by the way, I'm not some sort of anti-vax flat earther, while also simultaneously saying he wasn't going to get the vaxes. He said, what happened to my body, my choice? He said there was a witch hunt for unvaccinated NFL players. He literally talked about doing his own research Talked about 500 pages of research that he, an NFL quarterback, did. I'm not sure how he got access to a lab, COVID cultures, mRNA vaccines, and everything else he might need to do his own research. All of these things are just proof that his brain has been eaten by the internet. 
And it is so disappointing to me because despite being a Bears fan, he was my favorite player. And I liked that he seemed thoughtful and intellectual and not full of the cliches we always hear from quarterbacks. And now not only am I frustrated with all the misinformation that he's spreading, Fitz, I'm just really sad. I think the first thing that got me was his, first of all, I didn't lie. And I'm going to say this in a way that hopefully doesn't get me fired. But if you sit down with your wife and your wife says, did you cheat on me? And I say, no, I, I didn't have sex with her. All right. And then you find out later that, you know, other things happened. You're not going to make it out of that conversation, right? The first word in his answer to are you vaccinated was, yes, so I'm I'm immunized. So he's already going on a technicality that doesn't work. The second part of it is like, I'll go back to, you know, when when I was maybe not as nice a human being as I am today. And there was a period in my life where I had friends that lived by the mantra, deny, discredit, and distance. So you can get away with anything as long as you deny you did it. You discredit who said something to you and you distance yourself from it. So if Sarah says, did you say that? I said, well, who'd you hear that from? I didn't say it. They're just out to get me. And at the end of the day, I don't even want to hang around with them. These are like basic one-on-one things for people that are trying to lie their way out of a situation. Aaron Rodgers did all of that today, and he did it with Pat McAfee because Pat, frankly, doesn't have the you-know-whats to hold him accountable to any of it because Pat wants him on the show. Pat's somebody I've worked with before. Pat's somebody that I really like. I respect the heck out of the Pat McAfee show, and I listen to it all the time. But the fact is they are too invested in having Aaron Rodgers on the show to be able to say anything back to him. And I'm not talking about just saying anything back to him when it comes to the actual vaccine. I'm talking about direct questions about why Aaron Rodgers feels that he should be held to a different standard than other players that aren't vaccinated. Why Aaron Rodgers feels that the rules afterwards don't don't count for him. Why Aaron Rodgers acknowledges that there were portions of it that he thought were stupid when it came to the rules and how he was supposed to address the media. So he chose simply not to follow them. And no follow-up question went to why Aaron Rodgers believes that he should be held to a different accountability practice than any other person on the roster, any other court quarterback in the NFL, any other person that's not vaccinated, even above and beyond the vaccination problem. My problem is that Aaron Rodgers obviously believes he can be held to whatever the hell standard he wants to, and nobody has pushed back on that. 100% agree with you. And the idea that McAfee is a journalist and not just a former player is part of the issue here, right? This is a quote-unquote safe space for Aaron Rodgers to go and continue to spout these things without being checked on them. Amina Kimes was on NFL Live today. I think she absolutely nailed this. First thing I want to do is address something that we just showed that Aaron Rodgers said today, which was uh, his hesitation about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it was briefly pulled. It was briefly pulled over a small number of cases, and then it was returned uh, to availability. Millions of people around the world have taken it. I don't think that should be allowed to go unchallenged. Um, there's the football side of this, which is that he has made himself unavailable to his football team. and. At best, what he said this summer was misleading, as you guys have said. Then to me, there's the human side, which is we are still in the middle of a global pandemic that has claimed millions of lives. And what we've got today with this interview is a public figure spreading misinformation about the best way to stop that pandemic, repeating uh, ideas, opinions that have been universally debunked by the scientific and medical community, Um, using his platform in a way that's not only self-serving in this instant instance, but I think, frankly, dangerous. He said something that really jumped out to me about how this is, you know, his body and his choice. And Ryan, you're right, it is his body and his choice, but it's a choice that affects other people, not just his football team, but other humans, because this is a contagious illness. Far too few few people seem to understand that still, and for him to perpetuate that, I guess it just shows us that he doesn't care. Yeah, 
That's it. That's it. And to your point, Fitz, he said things like, I I followed every single protocol except the one that I don't think makes sense and isn't backed by science. And as Mike Golick Jr. said perfectly, quote, no, I agree. Nothing seems weird that the one NFL COVID protocol rule that Aaron cited as logically not making sense happens to be the one rule that would have tipped off the media to his vaccination status. Nothing to see here. Right. That he's followed everything perfectly. Just not the stuff we can see. Oh, and also, I followed it perfectly, and all of those make sense, but not the one that would reveal to everyone that I have been lying this entire time and misleading everyone this entire time. He questioned the efficacy of the vaccine, which every single infectious disease and medical expert has pointed to as decreasing the likelihood of getting it, decreasing the likelihood of being hospitalized, decreasing the likelihood of spreading it, and decreasing the likelihood of dying from it. He questioned the efficacy of it while simultaneously arguing that if people are masked and vaccinated, they shouldn't care that he isn't. Meanwhile, we know that the more it is spread, the more likely it is to mutate and those variants might be more resistant to the vaccination. We also know the more likely to spread it and the higher viral load you have if you're not vaccinated. And also that you're more likely to be hospitalized, taking away beds and treatment and care from people, even non-COVID related. There are any number of reasons that we have been urged to get vaccinated throughout And instead, we keep having these conversations over and over. And to your point, this all stems from a desire that he has to feel like he's smarter and that he is not responsible for following the same protocol. So no, it is not a witch hunt for the unvaccinated. There are plenty of other unvaccinated players who heard about it early on and have not heard about it since. This is about lying. This is about not following protocol. This is about believing that you are different. Quickly, it's also about not complying with what was collectively bargained. I say that every time. But But that's what I mean by the protocols. Everyone has agreed to this. You are not different. Right. Sock length is collectively bargained. This was collectively bargained. He had channels to go through. He chose to put himself above his entire union as well. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, is Jordan Love going to be the next quarterback to take on the Chiefs' defense and shred them? We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. We're asking you guys some of the biggest games of the weekend. What uh, what games got you the most pumped? We're going to get a poll out there. You guys can vote on it and Sarah, we were just talking about the Packers and we were just talking about everything with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously that brings us to one of the games we are the most excited about, which would be Jordan Love taking on Patrick Mahomes. Like we don't know yet what to expect from Jordan Love, right? So that becomes part of this conversation. No idea if Jordan Love can sort of capitalize the way other quarterbacks have that have come in and just been able to play with some level of incredible success out of the gate, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a great opportunity for him. Not a lot of pressure. Everyone's really mad at Aaron Rodgers, so step in and see what you can do. But one thing we haven't talked about, the way we would usually talk about this, is how is this affecting the team as a whole? This is clearly a distraction, no matter how much LaFleur tries to avoid responding to literally any question about it. And Dan Graziano pointed out, this is not just Aaron Rodgers being absent, but Aaron Rodgers being disconnected from reality. That was a a rant um, that went off the rails several times, uh, divorced from reality at at almost every turn uh, in a forum where he knew he was not going to face critical questioning. And uh, that's that's what we saw. So let's let's strip away the persecution complex and the, the conspiracy, you know, theorist talking points and talk about what actually happened here It's an unvaccinated player. So he's subject to the NFL's rules for unvaccinated players. He doesn't like those rules. So he's decided to push back against them in certain ways and obviously rail against them in this interview. So 
fundamentally, he's in a situation where because he violated the rules, which he knew he was doing, he has to sit out for 10 days. Because he tested positive, uh, which he knew was a possibility when he made the choice not to get vaccinated, he has to sit out for 10 days. He has to miss a game, possibly two, uh, if he doesn't get cleared in time for next week's Seattle game. Uh, in, a, in a season where his team is trying to win the Super Bowl and get the first round by, all that kind of stuff. So whatever anybody wants to say about all the stuff he said, which I, I just feel is just something we don't need to give airtime to, the fact of the matter is he knew the rules, whether he liked them or not, decided to put himself in this position where he's going to miss games, and it's a selfish decision that hurts his team. And Fitz, that's the thing. And by the way, Spade and Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance Guests. Join us on the Goodyear Hotline. This team now has to figure out how puckered they are about this game and how they feel about Jordan and what are the conversations in the locker room and are they turning on each other and all of this stuff. That's something, something to think about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays forward. But I, we still have eyes on Jordan Love and whatever it can mean for mm-hmm. this team as it goes forward, and that's going to be interesting. You know, everybody's going to have to make adjustments. Jordan Love, the quarterback, obviously is not going to be anywhere near what Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, is, but they're taking on a Chiefs defense that's been carvable, right? Like, so we, mm-hmm. we know that you can attack this Chiefs defense, and there's a real opportunity. I, I'm curious to see what that looks like because particularly the Chiefs vulnerable to play action, so maybe they're going to try and attack the Chiefs defense that way, take a little bit of the pressure off of Jordan Love, but it's going to take a very focused effort for everybody else to play at a high level to make sure that they can win this game with Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback. Absolutely true. And I'm actually curious. I'm going to put it up on Spain and Fitz Nation, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. If you had to choose just one NFL game to watch this weekend, besides your favorite squad, I'm sure you're going to watch your team, but what other game is most compelling to you? Because I would argue that this one is going to be top of the list for most folks. A couple other options, I think, though. One of those is the Bengals and the Browns. I think we can absolutely ask whether the Bengals will bounce back, whether, you know, there's a chance that 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 you know there's still some some troubles around the Browns because they're gonna now try to prove themselves, especially Baker with the release of likely release of Odell. Um, and in fact, Dan Graziano talked about whether he'll put a little extra pressure on himself. Oh, lots. Oh my well, because goodness. think about it. Like, like if there are teammates have, and to my knowledge, always liked Odell Beckham. I mean, they I covered be. him when he was yes. with the Giants. Yeah, same. So if there are if there are people there that that are friends with or fans of or like Odell Beckham, his best friend in the world plays that team, obviously. (laughs) And if they don't believe in Baker Mayfield all the way, then it could cause a problem. Baker's going to have to play at a high level and show that, um, that, that he wasn't the problem. I think that's actually interesting because I'd also argue, though, that there's a ton of pressure on the Bengals coming into this game because of yeah. their last performance. Like, it's going to be easy for all of us to decide that the Browns are just Brownsing, if that's word, and the Bengals are just Bengaling. Like, they're, they're sort of – whoever loses this game is going to lose a lot of street cred in the, the conversation around who's actually – has a chance to be good this year simply because we're waiting for teams like this to usually fall apart on themselves. Absolutely. And because they were such a surprise that it's like, oh, is this going to be that moment where they start to, to go backwards? And by the end of the season, we go, oh, the Bengals just they weren't as far ahead of the game as we thought they would be. Another really interesting one to me that's kind of around the same token is is not because of a loss of a game, but a loss of a major player. Titans Rams is a really interesting game to me because a lot of people will argue that the run game is really about offensive line creating space, about a good RPO 
play action offense, about having enough deep threats that they have to respect the run regardless of who it is. So can Adrian Peterson step in and and make it feel like this is still the same Tennessee team, especially against a really good Los Angeles squad? Or is this going to be the beginning of the end for the Titans? Yeah, I'm really intrigued because Ryan Tannehill got all that money for a reason, right? The Titans have a ton of options on the offensive side of the ball, but that hasn't been the way that they've structured this offense. So how are they going to come in? How willing are they to change their identity right now? How capable are they of changing their identity going into a game against a very good defense? You know, this is going to be a curious test for the Titans, not just because they're playing a great team in L.A., but also because they're going to have to show who they intend to be for the rest of the season. They're, they're taking on a juggernaut. I don't think they're going to win the game, but I am curious to see what they look like in the process of it, what their new identity is. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that to me is, we talked about how with the 17-game schedule, you don't quite have the easy, clean halfway point. We're, we're basically there. Yeah. And this weekend is going to tell us a lot about teams that were, you know, y- you could start off strong, we know this from your Raiders. No offense. Speaking of your Raiders, interesting game there, too. We could get into that. But we know this, that at halftime of the season, you can look really strong. And if you blow it over the second half, all we remember is a middling record. And to that point, your Raiders, we talk about distractions. The Henry Rugg situation, yet another scandal for this team to have to answer to and spend their time talking about instead of just the week's opponent. Luckily, they have the Giants, but that's an interesting one to watch out for as well. Yeah, they got to go east and then they got to play the Giants and they've got to find a way to focus on football. And I just, the more people I've talked to around the organization, I'm just not sure how you do that with everything that's happened over the last several days. Right. I mean, coaches have been uh, on the verge of tears during press conferences, even as recent as yesterday. So you start thinking about putting all that together and playing a game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from the Raiders in this matchup. Or the uh, Giants, actually. They had like half their team false positive, and some of them were positive and some weren't. And Saquon's going to be out. Like, they're missing people. So, you know, there's certainly a lot for a team that's already not very good to have to deal with as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. It's Again, to go back to what we said with the Titans, for me with the Raiders, it's going to be a little bit of how they look in that process. We'll keep breaking it down, obviously, but uh, we've got some NBA action to break down. We'll get you the latest and greatest from the league next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests will join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And we're going to get to some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We're going to do it right away because we need some expertise here. And to get that, we go to that Goodyear Hotline. We're joined by Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA insider. Tim, help me make sense of what the heck's going on with Philly and Simmons. Like, it felt like one minute everything was awful. Then the next minute they were going to figure out some way to, to work things, you know, at least have real conversations. Then it was a mental health thing. Now he's getting fined again. Like, what's the latest and how do we get here? I mean, the latest is that it's the same situation that it's been since media day, frankly, in that until we see Ben Simmons on the basketball court again in an actual NBA game, you have to just assume he's never going to play for the Sixers again and he's going to get traded at some point. And, you know, for all the other things, all the stuff that's gone on, all that stuff you just went through, everything that's happened the past six weeks, the basic facts of the story haven't changed. And that's, you know, that's sort of been my stance since September 27th, and it's going to be my stance until I see Ben Simmons on the court in a Sixer uniform again, or I guess at minimum uh, until he speaks to the media before he plays in the game. But until then, like, we're in the same holding pattern we've been for weeks where the Sixers say we're not trading until we get a deal worthy of trading them, and Ben Simmons says 
I'm not playing for somebody until I'm not playing for the Sixers. And until one of those sides moves from their current position, you know, this is the this is kind of the bizarre world that we're going to remain stuck in. Tim, obviously we can't know if a trade might happen, what that would bring to the Sixers, but let's just presume this lasts a while, which is, you know, what Daryl Moore has been telling us. We've mostly focused on the yep. drama and not the basketball. How good of a team can the Sixers right. team be without him, and how have they looked so far? It's amazing. Talking about basketball, right? Who would, uh, <laughs> who would do that? Um, I, the Sixers could be a decent team, right? And look, they're so, I mean, they're off to a heck of a start, right? They're 7-2. and two. Uh, they pulled off three really big wins this week. I was at the game Monday when they beat Portland without Tobias Harris uh, and Joel Embiid in addition to Ben Simmons. Um, Danny Green even left that game, and they, were, they ended the game down four starters from last year and beat a healthy Portland team. Uh, then they beat Chicago on Wednesday. They beat, you know, beat a pretty bad Detroit team on a back-to-back last night. Like, that's a really good week for them. They're 7-2, and two, best record in the East, and they're off to a heck of a start. But when you look at these other teams in the East, you look at, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, they're certainly not on the level of them without Ben Simmons. And then you go down beyond that, and, like, they're not as good as Miami. They're probably not as good as teams like New York and Atlanta on a, you know, over, say, a seven-game series. I mean, they're a – they're a team that's a, you know, maybe can get out of the first round playoff team, but they're not the championship contender they want to be. And so that's where either getting Simmons back on the court or turning him into, you know, talent that's requisite, you know, somewhat near Simmons's level on the court. That's the only thing that's going to give them a real chance to be a competitive championship level team. I mean, otherwise they're just sort of a, you know, a nice Eastern conference playoff team that, you know, like I said, maybe gets out of the first round and, maybe doesn't, especially with how much better the East is this year. So, now certainly this is something, Sarah, that they have to get resolved, I think, before the trade deadline if they want to have a real chance to be a real contender this year. But, again, the trade deadline's in February, right? I mean, it's four months from now uh, or three months from now. So, it's, uh, you know, we've got a long way to go here before this thing has to be resolved. And, like you said, Daryl Morey's made it pretty clear that he's going to wait until he gets a trade that's good enough to make to trade Ben Simmons and – you know, so I, I'm prepared to wait for quite a while. We're talking to ESPN NBA <laughs> insider Tim Bontemps on Spain and Fitz there, Spain, Jason Fitz. Tim, maybe I'm just feeling Friday positive. I don't know. Everybody talks about underperforming. Let's talk about uh, positive stories so far in the NBA. Memphis is 5-3. and three. Had some good games along the way. Like, is Memphis a better basketball team than I expected coming into this year? Probably because people don't pay a ton of attention to them. But, I mean, John Morant is maybe my favorite player in the league. And I I think that people, you know, people need to watch this guy play. He is unbelievable. I mean, I'm always afraid he's going to kill himself because he is trying to dunk on everybody and jump over everybody. And he he plays with a killer instinct that is awesome. I mean, he reminds me a lot in how he plays of Allen Iverson, just in terms of the, like, or Russell Westbrook, sort of the sheer relentlessness with which he plays. But he is an awesome player, and he's shooting the ball way better this year. And they are really good. I mean, Memphis has done a terrific job uh, under Zach Kleiman the past few years drafting and developing guys. I mean, not only do they have Ja, who's obviously incredible, but they've gotten guys like Xavier Tillman in the second round, Desmond Bain at 30. They kind of get Kyle Anderson uh, on, a, on a pretty great deal, on a, uh, signing him as a restricted free agent from the Spurs. He's become a really good complementary piece. Like, you look up and down the roster, and they've done a really good job building that team and still being flexible going forward. And we haven't even talked about Jaron Jackson Jr., who, you know, has obviously dealt with some knee injuries, but he's got a chance to be a really special, you know, unicorn-type big man that can shoot the three and protect the rim. So, 
I think if you're a Grizzlies fan or if you're just an NBA fan, like there's a ton to like with this team and you know, certainly a ton to like with Ja. And, you know, they probably need one more really big-time piece to be a legitimate, you know, contender. But on a night-to-night basis, you're going to get your money's worth if you watch Memphis play. They are awfully, awfully fun to watch. It's Spain and Fitz here. Spain, Jason Fitz. We're talking to Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA insider here on Spain and Fitz. LeBron James is out again, ab strain. He just doesn't have the durability that he used to, which is no surprise considering how long he's been at it. But if LeBron James can't be consistently there for this Lakers team, one that we already know is probably going to set the record for DNP olds for a season, (laughs) what can we expect from them? And why the hell is Westbrook the one who keeps taking the final shot? Well, because Russell Westbrook does whatever he wants, which has been the case for his entire career. I've been very amused at people who declared that Russ is going to be a different player this year because he's playing with LeBron James. That was laughable. I mean, anybody who's watched Russell Westbrook his entire career, he, you know, he, when Kevin Durant left, uh, Oklahoma, or left Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook put out a commercial that said, uh, now I do what I want, right? Like, this is a guy who has done what he wants all the way through. So that's why he's taking the final shot, even though he shouldn't. Uh, and if LeBron James can't be LeBron James, legs are screwed. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. I mean, they, they built this team to need LeBron to be, an, you know, a top player and AD to be a top player and everybody else to kind of fit in around them. And if LeBron can't be that guy for them, they, they have no shot to do what they want to do. Now, I'm certainly not saying LeBron can't be that guy for them. Obviously, you know, he's had a couple injuries here to start the season. Um, but he's still averaging 25 a game and shooting, you know, shooting pretty well with the jumper this year, which is good. Um, and he still looks explosive in the open court, but yeah, if he can't stay on the court and stay healthy for them, you know, you guys have seen them play. I mean, they, they've had a very soft schedule start the year and they've lost Oklahoma city twice. They escaped, uh, you know, a Kevin Porter jr. Three pointer rim out, or they would have lost to the Rockets. They went to overtime with the Spurs, uh, in one, they, they, you know, jaw, we just talked about the Grizzlies. You know, John Morant missed a free throw with, literally at the buzzer um, that would have sent that game to overtime. They might not have won that game. I mean, they've, they've had a very soft schedule, and they're basically 500. And that was with LeBron, you know, around for most of the games. If he misses a few weeks here with this abstrain, you know, they could be in some trouble. So, but, yeah, look, for all the stuff about Westbrook, all the drama around the Lakers, you know, their lack of a supporting cast, et cetera, their whole season just comes down to LeBron and AD. If those guys are healthy and ready to go for the playoffs – they're going to like their chances to beat anybody. And if one of them isn't, then, you know, they're probably not going to last very long. We're talking to Tim Bontem, CSPN NBA insider. Again, maybe I've just got a little patio positivity in me. Like, I don't know. I'm just feeling all positive. <laughs> Tonight on ESPN, we have the Pelicans taking on Golden State. Be easy to talk about what's wrong with the Pelicans. But no, sir, we'll talk about what's good for Golden State. How sustainable is this 6-1 and one success we're seeing from the Warriors? Well, I mean, you know, the, the Pelican situation is depressing from Zion on down. So I'm glad we're not really focusing on that. But, but look, I think the Warriors have to look around. You know, I was at shoot-around today talking to them. And if you look around the West, if you're Golden State, you're going to feel pretty good, right? We just got done talking about the Lakers. They're a mess. Um, the Clippers, obviously, who knows if Kawhi is going to play. You know, the Denver Nuggets have been a disaster whenever Nicole Jokic has been on the court. We've seen the Utah Jazz have, you know, been an awesome regular season team that haven't got it done in the playoffs before. The Dallas Mavericks have been up and down. The Blazers are a mess, right? You go down the West and, like, there's a lot of pretty good teams, but they all have pretty big question marks right now. And you've got Golden State, who is 6-1. and one. Steph and, and Draymond are playing great. The addition of guys like Andre Godala back into the mix, Otto Porter, Damani B. Elitza, they have some veterans that have meshed well with those. They're, you know, the, the superstars they still have. 
And they feel good about Clay Thompson coming back in a couple months and being something close to what he was before. So, you know, look, I think Golden State has been as good or better than anyone could have expected. And, you know, look, they've got a lot of older players. You know, we'll see if Steph can stay healthy. We'll see if Draymond can hold up. Well, especially, you know, most importantly, maybe the most important question in the NBA right now is what, how good is Clay Thompson going to be when he comes back and can he stay on the court? But if they can get 80% of Clay from before for the final three or four months of the season, um, again, sort of like, sort of like the, the Lakers with LeBron and AD, if Golden State's rolling out Steph Clay and Draymond for the playoffs and they're healthy and ready to go, you know, I, you kind of feel pretty good about your chances. And I, Golden State right now, I think they feel pretty good about where they're at. And, you know, I think they're optimistic that they can, you know, be back to being a real factor in the Western Conference again. As always, Tim, we appreciate your time and your insights, my friend. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Anytime, guys. Have a great weekend. That's some straight talk. Straight talk. Wireless. No contracts. No compromise. Because the Warriors are in the zone. Get in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. All right. We're in the zone with conspiracy theories that are actually fun and don't hurt the entire world. We'll tell you about one next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN <laughs> Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We got a chock full show today, chock full of many things. Uh, We've got our finally back to our NFL picks for the weekend. Lots of conversation about the biggest matchups there. Talked a little NBA. We got a a conversation coming up with uh, Titans cornerback who had a huge play last week, Elijah Molden. Uh, So we did a couple interviews before the show started, and they are going to be available in their entirety on the Spain and Fitz podcast. That's right. Not one, but two after-party podcasts on the podcast tonight. So if you don't already follow and subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast, what you doing? You can get it wherever your podcasts are. Hit that follow or subscribe button. You can always get the cool content that you can only get on the digital version of the show. So let's start with the first interview we did. It was just yours truly. Talking to the two co-hosts, although you'll uh, hear in the full podcast, one of them dropped off. I can only imagine because of some uh, sneaky business on behalf of either Kevin Costner or Cal Ripken Jr. Oh. Uh, because halfway through, he disappeared, and I have to imagine that his phone is now tapped because Sam Dingman and Mac Montandon are the hosts and head researchers for the podcast, The Rumor, produced by Blue Wire, that is available now wherever you get your podcasts. And it's about that longtime rumor and conspiracy theory about Kevin Costner being involved with the potential end to Cal Ripken's streak. All of that is explained here by Mac. Sam mentioned the date, August 14th, 1997. And what anyone can quickly find is that it's true that that night's game at Camden Yards between the Orioles and Mariners did not happen. And it didn't happen, the official story said, because some lights weren't working. And after a couple hours of trying to repair it, the crew chief that night, the umpire and crew chief, decided to to call the game off. So it was postponed and made up the next day as part of a doubleheader. So that much is out there, anyone can find. Um, Within a couple days of the game being postponed, this very odd story started to circulate. Um, And, uh, yeah, without giving too much away, essentially um, Cal Ripken and Kevin Costner by this point were friendly enough that the rumor alleges that Costner had stayed over at the Ripken house uh, and th- on the 14th of August, Ripken had set out the next day to go to work at the stadium. He forgot something at home. What that something is, you know, changes depending on who's telling you the story. But he, in any case, he goes home back and finds um, Coster and, and his wife 
I think Sam has the perfect expression for this, which is inamorous entwine. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> upon, and upon discovering that scene, uh, Ripken, um, who has the streak ongoing, he's already broken Garrick's record, but he still has a consecutive game streak going, which is incredibly important to him, the city and the sport and really the world at this point. Um, but he's, he's either too anguished or too banged up from discovering, oh, I should, I left out an important detail, which is a version of the rumor also alleges that there uh, was then a fist fight that ensued. Mm. Ripken was too banged up to play in the game that night. He calls the Orioles and says, we have to figure out a way to cancel this game. And they conspire together to come up with um, this lighting malfunction scenario. Yeah. So this one, I'm, Definitely listening to the full podcast. Lou Pinella potentially getting involved, talking about his pitcher being four or five beers in, delaying the start of the game. Was he involved in keeping this streak alive? What about the stadium electricians who would have had to contribute to the fake power outage? All of this, this is like decades in the making fits, this rumor about Costner and Cal Ripken's wife. So the salacious details of a tour to fair plus baseball, plus all of that, I'm in. I mean, the other part of it is like at least it's your wife doing the hibbity dibbity with Kevin Costner. Like, like he's a you know an attractive. Yeah, maybe he dude, was on right? the hall pass list. Like, I mean, we don't know. I mean, at least it's not like you know you walk in and it's like Jack Black or something. Like you know, there's a wow. You can no look need at- to take a shot at Jack Black. We wow. could get with we could find someone a lot less charming and talented. Oh, well, yeah, no, he's charming and talented. Has a great personality. I'm just saying, like you walk in. If I walk in and somebody, you know, if I walk in and my significant other is doing the hibbity dibbity with Kevin Costner, I'm like, I get it. Like I, you know, he's he's a good it's an looking. Upgrade. Dude. I got it. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> I'm just saying that Cal Ripken, not that he's unattractive. I've really made a lot of America yeah. uncomfortable with All this right. conversation. All right, listen, this uh, segment of Spain and Fitz is brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Let's move ourselves forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can listen to the full interview with Mac about the podcast. It sounds fascinating on the after show of Spain and Fitz, which you can only get on the pod. Also, we talked to your buddy Chris Young. Yeah, well, and for anyone that doesn't know, the Country Music Awards are next week, uh, November 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be a raucous affair. It always is. And Chris is nominated this year for Famous Friends, his song with Kane Brown. They'll be performing uh, on the CMAs. Always a good time. And Chris, also a mega fan of all things Texas football and all things Dallas Cowboys. So we had the chance to hang out with him, and uh, I flat out asked him when he's going to be able to believe that the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders. Oh man! See that—that <laughs> that just seems like such a trap. Um, yeah, we are recording on this. I, we'll bring it back later, just to mock you. Yeah, if things right, go terribly let me, wrong. Let me—I'll—I'll—I'll I'll, I'll play the uh, the reverse Uno card. At what point do you let your think? Uh, do you let yourself think, Jason, that the uh, Raiders are a Super Bowl contender? Uh, yeah, about—I don't know—with three minutes left in the Super Bowl, if they're <laughs> up by seventy. That's, that's, that's about the answer on that. Yeah, I look. I I believe in them, and obviously. You know, I've, I've gotten to know Dak over the past several years through charity work and just got to be friends with him, gone fishing with him. I'm I'm all in. I think they've got an incredible team this year. It's just all about the things that are kind of out of their control, right? Continue to move forward, stay healthy, and uh, fingers crossed, man. I, I, I believe they could be a Super Bowl contender this year. I really do. 
And you can hear the entire interview with Chris, which has a lot of funny moments uh, in the podcast, Main Fitz <laughs> podcast. Also, like the humble brag for a guy with famous friends is his nominated song to drop the the fact that he and Dak are fishing buddies. You know, like of course. I mean, yeah. that, that's just. Uh, I mean, my favorite part of the interview was more about him uh, talking about you and how people see you, and then you admitting that everyone thought you were a weirdo who worked too hard and didn't make any friends. Yeah, and basically the same thing I deal with now. Like, I mean, it, it, life hasn't changed all that much for me, Sarah. I just, you know. Fitz I is just... such a workaholic, guys. If you went and took him into an interview and they asked for his weaknesses, he would just say, you know what, it's that I care too much. I'm too focused <laughs> on the prize, all right? Uh, no, I, I think, uh, and by the way, again, Chris playing the CMA Awards, you don't want to miss that. Uh, Wednesday, November 10th, oh, that's on ABC, a little synergy there for Disney. There uh, you go. But also, you know, he got to be friends with Dak. And, like, he's famous, but you're famous, Sarah. Like, are we getting that? Like, when are you yeah, and I mean, Justin? he was a fan of me, too, which yeah, was cool. That's fair. You when know, are you like and Justin that. Fields, though, becoming, like, like I'm fist- working on it. Yeah, yeah. I guess i got to leave the house for that. That's yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm still waiting on. for Derek Carr to realize, you know, that I'm even alive. That you're alive. That, that's one. Yeah. I mean, we fist bumped a few years ago. That counts, right? That makes us basically fishing buddies. Although, he'd have to put the worm on the hook because that's just gross. No, like There were so many things you just said that could have just been phrasing, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna get into it. It's Spain and Fitz. Tune into a football doubleheader Sunday as the Ravens host the Vikings, followed by the Chargers at Eagles. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. A reminder, you can get both of those interviews in full. Our conversation on the Rumor podcast and our talk with Chris Young um, and the CMAs and his Cowboys fandom and everything else on the Spain and Fitz podcast. You have to subscribe or follow or go find the podcast to be able to listen to those. Be up a couple hours after our show ends tonight. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk to someone who personally has to try to slow down Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and the Rams passing attack and may have had one of the shortest interception returns for a touchdown in NFL history. We'll get into all of it next. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. It's Friday, and this is Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you can tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast. Gets you a deep dive into a single story from ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. We're going to head over to the Goodyear Hotline. We're joined there by Titans cornerback Elijah Molden. Thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. Obviously, you had the play of the weekend that everybody keeps talking about with the interception for a touchdown. Walk me through like sort of how that moment feels when you see the ball in the air. You realize you're only a couple yards from the end zone and you're about to get that pick six. Yeah, I felt like it, it happened in slow motion. And then when, once mm-hmm. when I actually got up and made the play and I was in the end zone, uh, like typically when you visualize those type of plays, you like you kind of um, – you know, envision the crowd, like, going, you know, screaming and all this stuff, but I forgot it was an away game, so <laughs> I didn't hear anything, and I thought there might have been a penalty, but, yeah. Yeah, you didn't have far to go, so you uh, you took a little more contact probably from your teammates than any of the of the players uh, trying to recoup the ball, so you, you fall into the end zone, and it's been replayed a million times. One of the people I saw that was sort of reacting to the enthusiasm around your play, not just on the, the interception, but the rest of the weekend was Teron Matthew. Can you tell us about your relationship with him? Seems like you guys are close. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a relationship with him, really. I think um, he's someone I, I respect him a ton, just kind of what he's done for, for, uh, for the position. And, um, you know, I've been watching this tape for the longest time and learning from him, but, 
He was just um, hyping you then. That's even better. Yeah. That's that's wild yeah. that he would just take time out to post about you. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was nice of him. So, you know, I always, I'm always curious with celebrations, right? Because you guys as a defense, you come in, you celebrate big moments like that. Is there like a playbook yeah. of celebrations? You know, you got like celebration one, two, three, four, five. Like, <laughs> is somebody calling it? How do you know which celebration to do when? That's actually a good question. I mean, in that moment, I probably would have, Probably would have went to the playbook, but I, I got the um, man. I got the wind knocked out of me by by one of the linemen by the Colts in 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 midair. So I came down and I scored, and I couldn't breathe because like I I just couldn't breathe. So all my teammates were celebrating with them, and I couldn't celebrate because I, I felt like I was dying. <laughs> that's great. Uh, that that's what you get for making the big play, right? Uh, Elijah Molden, Titans cornerback is with us here on Spain and Fitz. I want to talk about going to Washington because I was reading about your dad. Your dad is a member of the University of Oregon Hall of Fame, went on to an eight-year career in the NFL as a corner. And instead of following in his footsteps, you decide, no, I want to go to Washington. What was that like and that conversation with your dad making that choice? Yeah, he actually wanted me to go to Washington. Um, at the time, I, that was just the best situation for me. Obviously, I grew up a big-time Duck fan. Um, I never would have dreamed of going to Washington, but when the situation came, it was the it was the right fit for me, just based off of the coaches and um, the academic program and, and all that stuff. So, is there a little part of you, you know, you see the Ducks sitting at number four in the college football mm-hmm. playoff? You pro Duck or are you anti Duck now? <laughs> uh, I really just stay away from that. I'm definitely not pro Duck. <laughs> definitely not pro Duck. Um, oh, definitely not. But uh, <laughs> I think my dad and I have a little bet going on this weekend. Oh, okay. What's on the line? That's still being negotiated. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. That's it. That's you good. keep us up to date. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Elijah Molden of the Titans. Uh, you have a lot of siblings, eight. You are the second mm-hmm. oldest. So give me some good stories. Were you guys fighting for spots at the dinner table? Were you playing football in the backyard? What What was it like? Uh, someone's always laughing and someone's always crying all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> constant entertainment. I think, you know, they, they try and FaceTime me every day. After practice today, I looked at my phone. And my, my mom sent me, like, um, five videos of my two of my sisters getting their wisdom teeth out. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and you know, they were kind of loopy and all that stuff. So yeah. it's just constant entertainment and uh, many different personalities clashing. Any other athletes? Yeah, a couple sprinkled in here and there. One of my one of my brothers had um, eight touchdowns in a sixth grade youth game. Whoa! So well, I'm trying to get him to go to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> the recruiting never stops, you know. That's, that, right. that's so. I I heard through a buddy that works with the Titans. You know, I lived there in Nashville for 20 years, Elijah, and I heard through a buddy that right. covers the team that you knocked the team just out from the day you walked in pre-draft because you knew the entire defense, you knew what to call, you knew what to do. Did you learn the defenses for everybody pre-draft? Like, are you just that quick of a study? How did you nail their defense coming into a draft meeting? Uh, I really just picked my kind of the teams I wanted, I would have wanted to to, uh, to play for. And then I watched a couple, you know, two, three, four games and kind of just, obviously it's, if you're not in the um, the meetings, then you really don't. You truly never know what what the defense is and all the details and the ins and outs. But I can understand um, the concept, so that was just kind of something I had in my back pocket. Elijah Molden of the Titans with us here on Spain and Fitz. How has it been this season 
compared to your expectations. It sounds like you're a very prepared guy. You came in really trying to set yourself up for success. How big of a difference is the pro level to, to what you imagined? Uh, it's a big di- uh, difference just because, you know, th- these are the best of the best. And, um, you know, if if you don't bring your, your absolute best for one play, then they can that can lead to a touchdown, you know, because these quarterbacks can make every throw. Um, so it's been there's been a lot of ups and downs, but con- I'd probably say like looking back, looking uh, at my development, I've been I've improved every week, um, and really just taking one game at a time. And you know it's a long season; and it's more of a marathon. I mean, how are you adjusting to Nashville? Big difference in the food and the culture, the music, all of that between Nashville and you know the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. How, how do you like the city? I'm really liking it so far. My fiance and I have been checking out all the food spots and. Um, we really like the people here. The people here are just really, really welcoming. You, uh, you're on a, you're on a squad that's had some, some real ups and downs this season. Big expectations, a big loss in Derrick Henry. What kind of coach is Vrabel like through those ups and downs? You got any good anecdotes of how he keeps you guys ready to go every week? Yeah, I think he just, you know, he keeps us humble, but also encourages us. Um, you know, especially since we've been stringing together a couple wins. You know. He, just the last thing we want to do now is get complacent. Um, and then with the injuries too, like we, you know, we don't want to dwell on them. We just want to uh, focus on what we can control. And then, uh, you know, every, every week is a new, new challenge. When we talk about that injury, obviously everybody's thinking about Derrick Henry, right? How much pressure does it put on the rest of you now with Derrick Henry out for an extended amount of time to make sure that you guys are performing at the highest level? Uh, I, I don't think that changes too much. You know, I think the expectations for us, that's the same. You know, we want to be um, the best on the field every time, but it, it it's its different not having him in the locker room and, and on the practice field. And, you know, you do have the added pressure maybe on the defense a little bit in terms of wanting to hold up your end of the bargain. If the offense takes any steps back, that's going to be especially tough this weekend because you've got an incredible offense you're going up against in the Rams what kind of prep is the uh, what what is the prep been like this week for them? Yeah, um, I mean obviously they're an explosive offense, and um, you know they got some they got multiple weapons just with Matthew Stafford. Now he's got um, some really good weapons around him, and, and Cooper Cup, and uh, you know the rest the rest of the crew. We we've been watching a lot of film, just like we do every week. You know we this this Sunday night will be you know it's. It, it may it may seem a little different, but really we treat it the same as any game. Um, every opponent has different strengths and weaknesses, and they got a lot of strengths. Did you keep the football from the pick six, Elijah? Did you like get to get, keep it in a, like some sort of a case or something? Yeah, I got it with me. It's, it's sitting. Um, it's holding it right now. He hasn't let it go. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I might give it to my dad. Oh, that's I don't nice. Know. Do you keep a bunch of them from your key moments in life, or just uh, is that one special? Well, we're not allowed to in college, so that, this is really the first one I kept. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't know you couldn't keep yeah. them in college. Like they, 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 they could afford them, Elijah. Why don't they let you keep the balls? I don't know. I mean, I I got a couple of trophies, but I'm not. I'm honestly not too big on um, memorabilia and that type of stuff. So really, whenever I keep something, it's usually for uh, you know, grandpa, my dad, or one of my siblings. Well, we appreciate your time, man. Congratulations on the success. Congratulations on a great season so far for the Titans. I know you guys are just getting rolling. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us, brother. 
No, thank you both. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. If, you're, if your pet passenger is injured in a car accident, get help paying for vet expenses. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Get a quote at Progressive.com. Coming up, it's Friday. We want the same thing you do. Quickies next. Spain, on, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. <laughs> It's Friday. We want the same thing you do. Quickies next. Spain on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I can't tell what's worse. Did you say Spain on Fitz and then follow it up with Spain in Fitz? See, I'm immunized. It's just, it's. <laughs> Didn't quite say exactly what you meant there, did you? Uh, my man, Spain, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I, I got nothing. I have nothing. Uh, I've, I've taken this show completely off the rails, and I think tried to get us fired multiple times, Sarah, so I'm really doing my best. Yeah, first you got real deep in on your feelings about Kevin Costner and his level of attractiveness. I mean, hibbity-dibbity, I you would. You basically asked Sonny to just cuckold you with Kevin Costner. I mean. You're like, listen, I wouldn't say a thing. I'd be totally fine with it. You as walk long in as and it you're was like, that oh, stud Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. I get it. It's like you walk in, and it's like. It's you're not about, even mad. I'm impressed. It's about the same as like one of the new kids. What am I going to do? Walk in and say what do they have other than like abs and millions of dollars that i know new kids and the backstreet boys you have have laid out for for sunny she doesn't even need one you have made her own hall pass list yeah it's it's massive enough times it's massive still talking about the hall pass list okay it's spain and fitz we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna cover more stories without getting fired maybe I don't know. It's a Friday. This is what happens to us on Fridays. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance for now, unless they're listening, in which case maybe not much longer. Yes, join us on the Goodyear hotline. Let's get into some more stories of the day the way we like to with a little quickies. Uh, We started the show with Aaron Rodgers joining the clown car. You've heard about this, I'm certain, all day. But he appeared on Pat McAfee's show for his weekly hit and blamed what's happening to him, which thus far has been a bunch of criticism for lying, violating protocols, putting media members at risk by leading them to believe he was vaccinated when he wasn't, um, being unable to play for his team on Sunday and perhaps next week as well. He's blamed all of that on the woke mob, cancel culture, witch hunts, uh, doing his own research that wasn't respected, a bunch of protocols that he claims are not making sense by science. Uh, He also told... McAfee today that an NFL doctor told him if he was vaccinated, he could not catch or spread COVID. A league source said Rogers never spoke with a league doctor or any of the jointly appointed infectious disease experts, though he was offered that opportunity. So he's just stacking lies on lies. He also invoked Martin Luther King Jr. at one point, semi-accurately quoting him as, you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules and rules that make no sense. I'm sure people who have suffered any sort of racial segregation, injustice, or violence are real keen on Aaron Rodgers, multimillionaire NFL player, claiming to be, uh, you know, subject to unjust rules that, again, to your point, have been collectively bargained and agreed upon by everybody. Yeah. He also said he asked Joe Rogan for advice. Uh, he is currently taking ivermectin. A fully, the bingo board is not just hitting a bingo, but every square crossed off. And the worst part of it, Fitz, is Matt LaFleur, the head coach for the Packers, could grow a spine and make a statement about any of this. But here's what he had to say on whether protocols were followed. Hey, Matt, earlier you said you're 100% confident in following the protocols inside the building. 
Can you explain why Aaron Rodgers would be allowed to be unmasked for those media availabilities? That's not what I said. I said within our football space, uh, meeting rooms, walk through everything we do in that area. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't pay attention to the media rules. Yeah, I don't pay attention to the media rules. I, of course, am going to change my answer based on you calling me out on the fact that he's been plenty of other places without a mask. He also said this about Rogers' vaccination status. I'm not going to get into any of our coaches or players' vaccination status. Just know that he won't be available this week. Fitz, if there were any other reason your starting future Hall of Fame quarterback was unavailable, you think you'd talk about it? Yeah, and also, like, I'm just curious, were you available or were you aware of media availability when your other non-vaccinated players connected via Zoom instead of coming right, into the room to stand right. at the podium? Or do you just pick when you care about that particular rule? Like, this mm. is completely spineless by Matt LaFleur. It's completely spineless by the Green Bay Packers organization. And it is completely spineless by the NFL, by the way, which has put the press conferences up on their website of Aaron Rodgers knowing that he's not vaccinated and he's breaking the rules. So it's, again, for a league that will fine you for your sock height, they've shown that they lack the for, uh, the, the the guts. I'm looking for the word Intestinal that doesn't Intestinal fortitude? Yeah, Testicular yeah. fortitude? Yeah, which we'll one of that. the two? Yeah, All right. The, the, they lack the you-know-what to actually stand yeah. up to, to Aaron Rodgers. Perfect. It's great. Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to see that unless something drastically changes in the coming hours. Let's get to the next story. Quickies. So Saquon Barkley has been ruled out now for the upcoming game against your Raiders after there were a number of different false positives. There were some COVID issues. Um, He's back, but he's out because of the ankle. Uh, Shepard also out. Galladay questionable. So that wide receiver unit is banged up. And as of right now, your Vegas Raiders looking pretty healthy for that one. You're feeling good about this. Well, I mean, aside from obviously the bigger Mentally, yes. the bigger distractions for the team. I shouldn't even say distractions. The bigger issues for the team. But, yeah, I think this also, though, does still come back to some of my questioning with Saquon is that he hasn't been able to be around the facility while they were figuring out what was going on with the false positives. You have to wonder if any of that has played into whether or not he's available for this game and just the treatment Mm -hmm. that he'd usually get and his ability to sort of test that ankle out. So if I'm the Giants, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm really frustrated by the way all of this went down because it seems like the team didn't even get the right chance to get themselves healthy or get on the same page this week. In Spain and Fitz, it's Quickies moving on to baseball. Quickies. Dusty Baker returning to the Astros on a one-year deal. You here for that? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, anytime you have the opportunity. Dusty's one of those guys we root for, right? So I keep looking at it and saying the Astros had such a great run this year, even though we all know the Astros passed. I mean, if you're Dusty Baker, give it another shot. Run it back. See if you can get yourself to the, the coveted title that so many people think he deserves at this point. I'm all in for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also feel like he did a really good job of handling the mess that he did not create. And a lot of people said it was unfair to put him in that position. But he ended up benefiting by being able to have a job with a really good team. And so the payoff on that could still be yet to come. He's back for at least another year to find out. It's Spain and Fitz. Next story. Quickies. Kyler questionable. Kyler Murray versus the Niners. Trevor Simeon to start for the Saints against the Falcons. Are you feeling more confident in either of these teams, especially against bad squads? You like the cards, even if Kyler's not out there. You like the Saints with Trevor Simeon against the Falcons? I think, you know, ultimately what is curious to me or what's interesting to me is that 
uh, Kyler Murray is healthy enough to con- unless he plays at a high level, then he won't play. And that's interesting to me. Like Cliff Kingsbury is basically saying, like, unless he's almost 100 percent, we're good without him. That's that speaks to the confidence Cardinals have in that organization and the talent they have. And I don't think he's wrong. They just have so much talent. They they should be able to beat the 49ers no matter what. We're doing quickies. Last story. That's when you hit quickies. Yeah, they tried. They tried to get to it as quick as they could. Okay. Quickies. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of fans head out to celebrate the Braves title. And what did you ask me right before the show started, Fitz, if I saw? Was it like a person in a bucket? And then you corrected. And then I said, I'm pretty sure the person was dressed as a trash can. I didn't see it. I'm just guessing that that's what you witnessed. That would make sense to me. That would make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats to the Braves. This Roger story has overshadowed your excitement. I feel bad about it. Feel good about us doing our five pick Friday. It's coming up next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We are getting everybody ready for the weekend, obviously. And uh, we haven't had a Friday show together. It's been a minute, Sarah. Like, I feel like. You know, the, the, I've taken for granted, we've had a couple of Fridays, but it's been either you or me. We haven't been mm-hmm. together. Like, there's, we're like back, we're like a couple that's back out on our first date together. <laughs> that, back to this again, huh? That, you didn't get enough of that last segment? Well, it's not working out for me at all. I'm really, like, I'm scared. There, there's so much thin ice right now. Like, yeah. we have two Chris's working behind the scenes on the show, and they both, just the Going fear of God in both of their eyes every yeah. time I speak at this point. Like, no idea what's happening. The one thing we do know that happens every single Friday when we are together is we give you a little bit of five pick friday action giving you the picks that matter i'll tell you i think the raiders are going to win this game they're going to win a high scoring affair and we're not talking andy dalton and Derek carr picks try to wrap your head around that time for five pick friday on spain and fitz how you know it's dated it still mentions andy dalton instead of the current bears starting quarterback yeah. so we He's haven't done this picks of his own okay yeah give him exactly. credit for his yeah. picks that's that's fair we haven't done this in a few weeks but what we decided is that every week we didn't pick we obviously didn't pick on air we still picked you know with each other and miraculously you guys may not realize this but we got every one of those games right so perfect at yeah. this point since you you make a thousand percent of the shots that you don't take uh we are now 38 <laughs> and 2 for sarah 37 wow. and 3 for me that's where we i know I, this is staggering <laughs> and and fear not we're picking uh we're picking straight up although we did uh, alarmingly get every one of those games against the spread as well wow, google incredible. it go ahead truly, you can check it out actually we predicted the exact score and got yeah, it right every time it is can it you, is you believe it which considering the season the raiders have had is really particularly <laughs> incredible if you don't remember the rules they are as follows we pick five games straight up sarah always has to pick the bears game i always have to pick the raiders game and i also pick the site of college game day because i like to think that i know something about college football so sarah are you ready to begin i am ready ready as i'll ever be well look I, ladies first i'm ever the proper gentleman on this first redate that we have who would you like to pick first i'm gonna go ahead and start with my squad because i am required to pick that game and they have a monday night football matchup with the steelers Mm. now listen uh the bears have been taking me on a journey it's not been a fun one it's been a bumpy ride you know me i've been finding ways to be optimistic and i actually don't think this is a very good steelers team i don't have a lot of faith in what's going on with ben roethlisberger that being said i really don't have faith in this Bears squad right now and i think they just don't have what it takes offensively to hang with this Steelers defense. So it's going to be ugly. It's going to be gross. And the Steelers are going to get the W. Oh, man. You know, the the hard part about this is 
you would think when they put the schedule together, Bears Steelers Monday night feels like such a yeah. good game. If this was the appetizer course on our redate, you went with the spicy decision though, because that's a yeah. very very tough game to call. Uh, I also have to pick my beloved Raiders. We all know that uh, we've addressed it some throughout the course of this show, and I've addressed it throughout the course of the week. Obviously, there are bigger and more important things than football. We all know that. There's nothing I can do about the fact that we still have to play and pick a football game, though. I do think that the Raiders are better than the Giants, and at the end of the day, I have no idea what to expect from the team on the field. I have no idea how they'll possibly focus on actual football, but I still believe the Raiders are a better team than the Giants. So I'm going to pick Vegas to win this game, but I have no idea what to really expect. You know, I didn't pick that game. I normally would have with that matchup, but again, because you said there's just so much swirling around that Raiders team, I just stayed away from it. So I I picked the Cowboys over the Broncos. Cowboys have a ton of momentum coming in. They've won their last six. They're on top of the NFC East. They managed to grab that victory even without Dak Prescott. As much as there could be a letdown here because there was that enthusiasm about a a, a could-have-gone-either-way game against the Vikings, there is a little bit of risk there. But I think the Broncos at 4-4 and just aren't a great football team. The only reason their record looks like that is because they had some terrible competition to start the season. So my money is on the Cowboys. Yeah, I actually picked that game also, and I also picked the Cowboys. Even if Dak doesn't play, I don't care. The Broncos told you everything about where they think their organization is when they traded Von Miller for future assets. Now, I understand mm-hmm. getting something for the future is better than nothing, but realistically, to your point, Sarah, they're 4-4 four and four just outside of the playoff conversation, and they decided they'd rather just bank on the future than have talent in the room right now. That tells you that the Broncos have self-scouted and they realize they don't have much of a shot. I also picked the Cowboys there. I'll go with the game I know you didn't pick because, uh, frankly, you wouldn't have to. Cincinnati is taking on Tulsa. It's the site of game day. I am curious to see what Cincinnati looks like in a game after they just got the news from the college football playoff committee that they basically have no chance at the college football playoff. I think Cincinnati will be fired up because of it. They are a bunch of college kids. I could see them checking out also, but I think they come in fired up at home, game day being there. I think they are going to roll Tulsa and try and get some style points along the way. Cincinnati's going to win big. I actually put cash on that game, Cincinnati, with the points. An entire dollar. Careful. Uh, let's careful. not get crazy about it. Man. Like 50 cents. Be able to get that that gumball you were saving up for. It was uh, an actual been... dollar, by the way, to a local guy <laughs> down the street. I didn't use an app. I just was like, hey, oh, take my man. money. <laughs> it's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. By the way, don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast hosted by yours truly Woo! and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Sarah McLaughlin on the pod this week. Go listen to it. Uh, my next pick is uh, following the path that we often take here at Spain and Fist, the path path of least resistance, which is usually through Jacksonville. They are a terrible team. They are one in six. Their only victory came on a different continent. And the Buffalo Bills come to town, sitting at five and two. This, to me, is a very easy game to call, which, of course, again, those trap games can be a little worrisome. But Buffalo has the top-scoring offense and defense. They are the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. Josh Allen up there in the MVP conversation. On the other side, you have... The Jags. Uh, the Jags were down 24-0 last week to Seattle. Seattle scored on their first four four of their six drives. It was just awful and brutal, and they're not getting any better. So the Bills. 
I'm with you on the Bills, although the Manning cast curse is, you know, it's Ooh, becoming like a it's like a Madden curse. You know, you're on the cover of Madden. Things don't go well. Josh Allen was on the Manning cast uh, last week. And so far this year, the week after that, every single player active has lost. So, you know, we'll see what that means for the Mannings moving forward. But I'm with you. I also picked Buffalo to win this game. Give me a home with the Buffalo Rome. They roam all over Jacksonville because Jacksonville is just bad and urban meyer is bad and trevor lawrence is actually good and hopefully the jags and urban meyer don't just wreck the potential to have a (laughs) a starting quarterback that's worth rooting for uh i'll I'll go next here with one that i think is also easy because of who's not going to be on the field rams over the titans and i would love to make this game more complicated than it is but man the titans to me and i i've been railed for saying this all week i think the titans could have lost their starting quarterback ryan Tannehill, and had an easier go of it than losing derrick henry when you look at the usage rates the number of carries a historic number of carries to this point in the season for somebody that's still putting up the production that derrick henry has put up the way their offense runs what we have seen is everybody stacked in the box every single play to try and stop derrick henry they're not going to have to do that now and even though i I really like the Titans weapons offensively. I'm not sure what to expect from now. Defense is looking at it and saying like, all right, let's see what Adrian Peterson can do. Adrian Peterson might be good for 10 or 15 carries. He's not going to be good for 30 carries. And that's what the Titans offense is built to do. I don't think you can reinvent your identity against this defense particularly. So I'm interested to see how good the Titans look when they open it up. But even at that, I don't think that they stand a chance against what I still think is the best team in the NFC. I almost picked that. I agree with everything you said, but I just got a little nervous at the last second and I avoided it because I don't know what you might be able to see from that offensive line and that offense, even without Derrick Henry in there. I want to get a look at him before I make any picks. So I went with the Ravens over the Vikings. The Ravens have won four of their last five games after a bye, two of those coming by a combined margin of 60 to 20. Uh, This is a team that's coming in very rested against a Vikings team that lost to a backup quarterback and the Cowboys. The Vikings will probably make it interesting enough that I'll wonder why I made this pick. But in the end, Baltimore's getting back some players that have been out injured. And I, I just this Minnesota team, that last drive against the Cowboys was one of the worst drives I've ever seen in my life in a football game. And I've been watching the Bears my whole life. It was as if it was the first time Mike Zimmer coached a game. It was as if the first time Kirk Cousins played football. The players couldn't even get out of bounds to keep running plays. It was so bad that Minnesota is, I think, going to just continue to diminish in, in everyone's eyes the longer the season goes on. I've got the Ravens. Well, I, I, I think you're right about the game, and I, I love the pick. We'll obviously be accountable, as we always are on the show, because accountability is key. In fact, I'm the first to admit that I may or may not have said the wrong name of this show a couple of times, but <laughs> I may or, may or may not also not have been the only host Whoa. to do that. Did, what did, what did Sarah say a second ago? Do we have this? Oh, no. Spain and Fist. Spain and Fist? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> Tonight Wait, is not the time. night for one that. One more time on listen, that. Listen, listen. Here in Spain and fist. Tonight is not the night for that. Oh. Fra- phrasing, okay? Oh, that is. I, I have one last pick to prevent myself from continuing that train of thought. I have the Chargers over Philly. Again, uh, there's a little part of me that wonders. I know Bill Barnwell said he expects Philadelphia to get better from here on out. But I've got faith in Herbert. I think that the Eagles... Uh, you know, the fact that they beat the Lions doesn't say anything to me about whether they're actually going to go on a run here. And I think the Chargers are a better team. So I'm going with 
the Chargers. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you just said, but uh, I don't even pretend to not have a bias. The Chargers are going to lose because that's what I need to have happen, obviously. (laughs) All right, those are our picks. Obviously, we will keep you updated on where we were right and where we were wrong, unless we're particularly bad, in which case we'll just deny it ever happened. Coming up, we wrap up the week, find out what games you're most excited for. We'll do it next. Spain and Fist on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I just got some great news fits. My niece and nephew, who are seven and five, just got vaccinated today. Just got their uh, first shot. So uh, smarter than your uh, average Packers quarterback. Uh, proud of those kiddos. Uh, yeah, feel good about that. Science wins. Uh, <laughs> we asked you earlier in the show, as we were running down some of the games that we think will be most interesting in the NFL this weekend, that one, the Packers and the Chiefs, is way up there. Our first look at a start for Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers out, the Chiefs trying to pick up the pieces of their life and that defense that keeps getting shredded. That is up there. There are a couple other options, and we asked you to weigh in. If you could only watch your team and one other game, what would it be? And at KCosta underscore 41, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation and said, it should have been Packers Chiefs, but Joe Rogan. Mm. So maybe Cards Niners. By the way, that it's somehow something we have not mentioned at all of our conversation about Aaron Rodgers today is that he said he checked in with Joe Rogan to get some insight on dealing with having COVID and is now on a steady diet of ivermectin. It truly was the kind of thing that if you had scripted out everything he could say to make it an SNL skit, he hit every single one. Um, at Honky Lighters also wrote us on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Chiefs Packers, two complete train wrecks right now. So, uh, yep, everybody's feeling the same way. But at Rocket Cheddar said Texans Dolphins, I need something mellow before my team's game. So uh, just throw in two terrible teams that might lull you to sleep before the real action begins. And this was my favorite at Ruben Tish said, it's a, it's a shame you said NFL and not football. So I could say the red stars quarterfinal. And that is correct at Ruben Tish. The best football game of the weekend is my Chicago red stars hosting Gotham FC in the NWSL quarterfinals. My team is coming in hot, riding three straight victories. The four seed hosting a playoff game against Gotham. Gonna hand Carly Lloyd her literal very last L in what will be her very last soccer game of any kind other than maybe, you know, picking up some games at the old folks' home or playing with their kids if she has any. This will be the end, the very last time you can see Carly Lloyd play soccer, and it will be at SeatGeek Stadium at 2 p.m. on Sunday here in Chicago. Let's go! So, so many questions here. Number one, Uh, I know sometimes you do like watch party hang things. Are you doing something for this? Like, is there, I'm throwing a tailgate okay. at the stadium starting at 12.30 p.m. on Sunday. Lou Malnati's donating all the pizza, deep dish for everybody. Michelob Ultra donating all the beer, beer for everybody. I personally am bringing a couple bottles of Malort to make sure I initiate anyone who has not yet had the pleasure of America's finest wormwood liquor. And uh, party's going to be thrown down. I got some giveaways. It's going to be a good time. All right. And then follow-up question. Second question. 
If I want to watch this, like, how do I, where yeah. do I watch? Like, you can watch this game on national television on CBS Sports Network at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Look at that. See, I'm going to put one of the TVs in the living room on this while I'm watching uh, watching the go. football game so that I can uh, keep up with Sarah Spain and the shenanigans that will be happening in the stadium. Uh, that Your level of confidence going into this is? Extremely Confident. I like that. Extremely confident. My okay. team is coming in hot. They have been riding an incredible stretch here. We've got uh, Mallory Pugh, who not only is in the running, and you can vote online now to be the league MVP, but she is coming off her, what I like to call hab instead of wags, wives and girlfriends, husbands and boyfriends. Her boyfriend, Dansby Swanson's big World Series victory with the Braves. She showed him how to do it because she's won a World Cup. She, you know, she's been a champion herself. But coming off the high of her boyfriend putting it all together, she's going to help lead this Red Stars team. You can also vote for Sarah Gordon as Defender of the Year. She played every minute of every game of the regular season for the Red Stars. They are looking good. Wow. I am incredibly excited and can't wait to uh, yell and scream from a distance for you. That's a, whoop, whoop. that's a heck of a thing to watch. I will, on Saturday, be watching a slate of college football games. And, you know, Sarah, I'll be honest. I'm always honest with everybody. Most of these, not particularly good. But there are a couple <laughs> of games this weekend that are worth watching. Uh, as uh, other Chris on our show pointed out, uh, works behind the scenes, pointed out uh, for us earlier, there's a game between Liberty and Ole Miss. Like, and, and usually nobody's watching Liberty Ole Miss, but Malik Just Willis. God, yeah, God uh, is that's, always that's, watching. It's, it's you would think he'd like have he'd use that time to. I don't Sorry, know. She. Uh, you would think she, she uh, yeah. them, they would use that time <laughs> to, I don't know, fix the world's problems and like maybe address world hunger. But instead, they're apparently Encourage watching Liberty football. Liberty to stop punishing people who report their sexual assaults. Yeah, but Malik Willis is the quarterback for Liberty. And he's taking on, he's taking on uh, Matt Corral and the quarterback for Ole Miss. So likely going to be two of the first three quarterbacks taken, two of the first three picks possibly in the NFL draft. So it's a chance to see some guys going to be drafted. That's a weak sales pitch for a game this late in the season. I'll admit that uh, Auburn, Texas A&M, Bo Nix has been absolutely terrible, but uh, Bo Nix lately has been absolutely spectacular. He got benched, and then since he came back, uh, completing around 75% of his passes. New version of Bo. Bo giveth, Bo taketh away. What can he do for Auburn College football? Heating up. Tune in tomorrow night. Washington hosts Oregon, presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Also, kind of stoked for this Purdue-Michigan State game. Like, mm. I don't know. I, I hate the, the phrase trap games, but Michigan State just beat Michigan in such a huge game, and they've got Ohio State coming up. Like, do they really care about Purdue and the whole act like you've been there before? Like, None of these kids have lived through 9-0 and or 8-0 at this point trying to go 9-0. and So I, I think there's actually a couple of interesting games uh, on the slate. Do you hate the phrase trap game because you hate trap music because you're a diehard country music lover? Who no, I, like any I, other I'm okay with trap music, but it wears my ears it. out after a little no, no, while. I don't like, love it. It's not my favorite. Yeah. There's plenty of other things I'd prefer to listen to first. Same with EDM. Yeah. Not really into I'm it. Like I, I, trap music and bro country are both sort of at the same level yeah, for me. Yeah, like, or like super twang country yeah. is too much for me, unless it's old school super twang like Willie. No. I'll take that, but not the current like lost my car, my, my cat, my dog. Can my I, wife. can I, can I confess something to you though? Yeah. Sam? Like I may or may not have put the Christmas stations on the radio. Of today. course you did. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, guess what I'm gonna do this year that I'm pretty pumped about. So I have a small artificial tree in one room, and then I get the big huge you know, honking one that we cut down with a saw our, on our own. But for the small one, it's always been kind of just like cute little red ornaments, like little balls. But this year I decided it's going to be a Chicago tree. 
So I'm going to find all ornaments that are like a little mini Malort bottle or like an old style can, a Cubs ornament, a a deep dish pizza ornament, like all the cliche Chicago stuff. I think that'll just make me happy. My little Chicago tree. I love all of that. I'll do a a Bristol Connecticut. No, I won't. I won't do a Bristol Connecticut tree. No, that'll just be like a Vegas tree is not a bad idea. That would be fun. A Vegas tree is a a little taste of home. Or you could also have a little one for Nashville. A little taste of your other homes in Bristol. I could do, I could do a combo of both of those together. I kind of like this. Half and half. I like this idea. Nash Vegas, baby. Oh, look at that. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up. Uh, The entire Green Bay Packers organization joining them. You don't want to miss it. Spain and Fitz. Also Joe Rogan. (laughs) Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Sarah. Thanks for sticking around for the Spain and Fitz after party. Tonight, we'll talk about the rumor podcast about Kevin Costner and Cal Ripken Jr. Juicy stuff there. And then we'll talk to country music artist Chris Young about his Cowboys fandom and the CMAs. It's coming up right now. First off, my conversation with the guys behind The Rumor. Let's bring on Sam Dingman and Mac Montadon, uh, hosts and head researchers of the podcast produced by Blue Wire called The Rumor. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And this is about two lifelong Orioles fans and baseball documentarians finally getting to a story we've all heard about for decades and maybe always assumed to be true, or if you're not one, to believe in these sort of rumors, decided wasn't. Well, we're finally going to get to the bottom of whether Cal Ripken Jr., Kevin Costner, a very long streak, a torrid affair, and a series of stadium electricians were all involved in one of the biggest rumors in baseball history. Guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, Mac, I'd love to just hear why now and why you decided let's really dig in on this longtime rumor. Right. Thanks so much for having us, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, great question. I mean, I... In a way, you know, though Sam and I have been Oriole fans for years and decades even, um, this story kind of found us in the sense of, as we say in the first episode, uh, I was, you know, kind of innocently at a birthday party for a friend when I ended up having a conversation with an off-duty police officer who, when he found out I was from Baltimore, got pretty excited and leaned in close and was like, you know, the rumor, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, it's all true. So uh, I called Sam the next day and I didn't mean to blow his mind, but I think the first thing I said <laughs> to him was you better sit down. And yeah, it's, from that moment, we were kind of like obsessed with determining just how much of this is actually true. So obviously the mind blown is is relative because I think anyone who heard enough about this probably thought there must be some truth to it. It can't just be alive for decades uh, based on based on nothing. Although I suppose there are plenty of uh, other conspiracy theories that that persist despite no proof. Sam, were you all in on on digging in based right off that phone call with Mac, or did you need to talk to some people closer to the story to say, okay, we've really got enough here for a full podcast? Well, so it's it's really interesting that you asked that question, because while Mac and I did not start formally reporting the story, obviously, until we had talked to a couple more folks who indicated that there was, in fact, more to report on, there was this visceral sense when Mac told me his story that there was some truth to it. And obviously, you know, that's not a reason to, to dive in in and of itself. But what was interesting to me about that was that it confirmed this feeling I've been having for a while as I get older and further away from my rabid Oriole fandom, that it, it's time for me to re-examine a lot of the beliefs I had when I was of the age, when I thought 
my favorite athletes and my favorite baseball teams were beyond reproach. And that has ended up being as big a theme in the story as uh, the actual facts of, of what really happened on August 14th, 1997. So take us back, Mac. And I don't want to spoil the whole podcast. We obviously want all of the nitty gritty and the juicy details in the podcast itself. But maybe for those who are unfamiliar about the Cal Ripken, Kevin Costner rumor, just lay out very briefly what this whole podcast is about, the rumor. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, Sam mentioned the date, August 14th, 1997. Um, and what anyone can quickly find is that it's true that that night's game at Camden Yards between the Orioles and Mariners did not happen. And it didn't happen, the official story said, because some lights weren't working. And after a couple hours of trying to repair it, the crew chief that night, the umpiring crew chief, decided to, to call the game off. So it was postponed and made up the next day as part of a doubleheader. So that much is out there, anyone can find. Um, within a couple days of the game being postponed, this very odd story started to circulate. Um, and uh, yeah, without giving too much away, essentially, um, Cal Ripken and Kevin Costner by this point were friendly enough that the rumor alleges that Costner had stayed over at the Ripken house. Uh, and the, on the 14th of August, Ripken had set out the next day to go to work at the stadium. He forgot something at home. What that something is, you know, changes depending on who's telling you the story. But he, in any case, he goes home back and finds um, Coster and, and his wife, I think Sam has the perfect expression for this, which is in amorous entwine. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> upon, and upon discovering that scene, uh, Ripken, um, who has the streak ongoing, he's already broken Garrick's record, but he still has a consecutive game streak going, which is incredibly important to him, the city and the sport and really the world at this point. Um, but He's, he's either too anguished or too banged up from discovering, oh, I should, I left out an important detail, which is uh, a version of the rumor also alleges that there uh, was then a fist fight that ensued. Mm. Ripken was too banged up to play in the game that night. He calls the Orioles and says, we have to figure out a way to cancel this game. And they conspire together to come up with um, this lighting malfunction scenario. So that We've is lost... the short version of it, but there's a lot of twists and turns along the way. We've lost Sam, and I presume that's because both Cal Ripken Jr. and Kevin Costner have the phones <laughs> tapped. This podcast is out there now, and people are realizing the truth is coming out. Uh, we will carry on without <laughs> Sam, and we will check on his whereabouts when we're done with the interview. Um, everybody, well, you know, <laughs> see if there's an alibi for Cal and Kevin after this. Let's 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 press on. The, the podcast funny, is called. That's funny. That is funny, Sarah, you say that. I should say, you know, joking aside, like there have been moments in reporting this story where I felt like the need to look over my shoulder. Again, I don't want to give too much away, but what you're suggesting doesn't feel too far out of the realm of reality. Okay, this is getting juicier and juicier. The podcast is called The Rumor. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Sam Dingman and Mac Montandon are the hosts and head researchers of it. Um, so the idea, of course, is that Cal conspired with his team to orchestrate this fake power outage to keep the streak going, that, you know, there were plenty of people involved in this. And that's really the key to any good conspiracy theory when you start digging in is how many different people 
would have to know about this who have stayed quiet since. And that's what we apply for things like the moon landing, which is, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, none of whom could have come forward to reveal that it was all fake. In this case, could it have been pulled off with just one rogue stadium electrician and and one powerful enough Orioles front office member in cahoots with Cal? Or are there far more people who would have had to have known about this? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you just hit on something that's really fascinating about this story. One of one of many things that's fascinating, which is it could be from from what our reporting has indicated, it truly could have been a single rogue um, employee or, or someone else in the scene um, all the way up to, you know, I think there, it's it's not impossible to envision other scenarios where it's a far more wide reaching um, conspiracy. Uh, you know, we've had we've had sources sort of tell us what they've heard over the years, and honestly, you know, we've heard every variation on this, everything from, uh, you know, it was one rogue operator with a, a rusty hedge clipper, to um, a much more sort of elaborate and technical explanation for what went down. So. Um, I think, you know, by the end of the series, I feel like, you know, Sam and I have come up with a very satisfying and provocative answer. Um, and yeah, just encourage listeners to stick with the story and see if you agree with that assessment. How does Lou Pinella managing the Seattle team get involved with this story? I'm really glad you asked. You're like the first person to ask about Lou Pinella. And, <laughs> well, I'm, um, a, I'm a Cubs fan, so I, I've got my own uh, <laughs> Lou Pinella tales to tell. <laughs> All right, so you've got a dog in this, this hunt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he does factor into the story. Um, it's so hard to like talk about everything without revealing too much, but um, he actually plays, I would say, an incredibly important part in this story that won't be um, understood until until near the end of the series. Um, but, you know, I think what you're getting at also is that once you start digging into this story, it's fascinating to see sort of the tentacles extend and like where where they go and who they touch. And yeah, I mean, um, right, the Orioles were playing the Mariners. So, you know, take your pick, whoever you can think of who was involved in that night's game there's a good chance, you know, this story reaches them. Right, because, of course, it can't simply be the Orioles uh, orchestrating this power outage and uh, forcing a, a doubleheader without the other team perhaps uh, offering up their doubts or their criticisms of the move or their uh, attempts to potentially, you know, argue for a forfeit or otherwise. So uh, that that element is in there. Uh, it, it's the rumor is the podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we were talking to Sam Dingman. He has been accosted by either Kevin Costner, Cal Ripken Jr., or that rogue stadium electrician. So we continue to talk to Mac Montandon, who is the, the other half. Um, I know you can't give away too much, so let's just wrap by giving us some of the names of folks that come on to talk about this story, uh, giving people a little teaser of why they would want to hear from these from these people in, in regards to the tale. Sure. I mean, um, it's really like a, a, an incredible <laughs> cross-section of characters. Um, uh, you know, there are some folks that most listeners or all listeners won't really be acquainted with before this story, including a former uh, Baltimore cop who is known as Mad Dog. 
um, not to be confused with Mike <laughs> Maddox. Um, it is not Mike Maddox. Or Mad Dog Radio, for that matter. Also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as we know, no affiliation with either of those <laughs> folks. But, uh, so you know, it's everyone from him to, you know, Baltimore lawyers, uh, journalists, from local journalists and national journalists. Um, and then in terms of players, um, this is actually uh, Monday's episode you'll hear from, um, which is the third episode in the series, you'll hear from a few of Cal's teammates. Um, and uh, I think, you know, hardcore baseball fans will understand why we reached these three gentlemen. Um, and I don't think it's giving too much away to, to tell folks that uh, they would have made up um, the rest of the infield that played, that was supposed to play on August 14th, 1997. So with Ripken at third, um, of course, Mike Bordick was at short. He, he, when he came to the team, Ripken was moving to third that same year. Um, and then a guy named Jeff Rebelay at second and Aaron Ledesma at first. Um, so we thought it made good narrative sense as well as investigative sense to talk to the people who would have been geographically closest to Cal on the diamond that night. Uh, yeah, and there's just, you know, a, a small galaxy of other colorful characters. Um, if you've seen even, you know, one episode of The Wire or any John Waters movies or the, the movie Diner from years ago, um, you know that Baltimore is a town um, teeming with great and fascinating people. And uh, many of them, many of those kinds of folks appear in this series. Well, I'm you guys have sold me. I've heard this rumor for so long and it's got all the elements. It's got, like I said, the torrid affair. It's got sports. It's got uh, conspiracy theory elements. It's got uh, questions about who was involved, when and why. So the, the podcast is The Rumor, produced by Blue Wire. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts, as you mentioned, episode three, about to drop or just dropped. So uh, go check it out. Thanks so much, uh, Mac, for talking to me and uh, go check on Sam. Make sure he's OK. Will do, Sarah, and thank you very much for having us uh, briefly and, and me on. Thank you. <laughs> the second part of tonight's After Party, Fitz and I talked to Chris Young. I just love hanging out with Chris Young anytime I get the chance to, so he's joining us now to talk all things football and all things CMA Awards. Chris, first and foremost, congratulations, CMA nomination uh, for you and for Kane Brown together, uh, for Famous Friends. Uh, I, you know, I know, obviously, the grind that you put into your career uh, the CMAs in general feel like such a time to look back at the journey. When you think back uh, every year when you're nominated, is there one moment that you always think back to in your career that you're like, yeah, that was the that that was the turning point. That's the making it moment. Man, um, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy being able to uh, to be nominated for CMA award ever. But uh, especially with this year and this song, having three nominations and uh, getting to have that opportunity with somebody that I'm friends with 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 KB on this song, Famous Friends, is amazing. If I had to pick a point where I was like, okay, I think maybe I've got sort of a spot right now. Um, you and I have known each other for a long time. I've probably told you this at some point or, or more than one point. But, uh, you know, the beginning of my record deal, the first three years, I didn't have a hit. Uh, the first three singles died at 37.52 and 37, respectively. So... Yeah. Um, my fourth single was kind of like my last shot and it was on a song called getting you home, which a lot of people know is the black dress song, but that ended up being my first number one. And that was kind of that moment of, all right, 
I'm doing something people like. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, Sarah, real quick, I will say the one thing that I've, I've kept from all of the CMAs I've ever played, the one I kept, the very first one I played when I first moved to town, I was in the orchestra playing the 35th CMAs, and they spelled my name long, wrong at the end. And I've always kept that. because Were I was you like, Fritz? Were you Jason Fritz? Fritz. They added an Love R. Love it. And I've Love always it. kept that one because I was oh like, like to go from like the, the point that nobody knew or cared to the point that like it was an annual part of my life was always like, I always look back at that and say, all right, that was my... Well, right. it's also like that moment where you're doing something that you're very proud of, but you're still humbled by it because you're like, okay, but I'm still nobody because they don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, Brendan Hunt, Coach Beard from Ted Lasso, was just at his cousin's wedding and the name plate at his table spelled his name wrong. He's like, still humble. So even my cousin <laughs> doesn't know how to spell my name. Uh, you know, it actually leads me directly into my next question, which uh, is is entirely fits related because uh, once I get someone on the inner country sphere, I need to ask. So, Chris. Back in the day when Fitz was still a country artist, hanging around all you folks, going to CMAs, what was his reputation? Because I'm trying to see if he's the same guy as we know around these ESPN parts. What do people, when they saw Fitz, what did they think? Okay, so I've actually got kind of a weird one because Fitz and I never got to know each other when he was playing. No way. Uh, with the man Perry and with other people. And I, I toured with him. So it's like we just never ran into each other, whether it was backstage or at anything else. And then, like, after all this time, he and I kind of connected, became friends. And I started hearing all these other stories from other people about how much they like him. So it, it is true. We, everybody does, uh, does love him. And uh, it, it, it's been cool over the years. Now I'm like, yeah, I was just uh, I was talking with Jason for something he's doing with ESPN. And they're like, oh, man, I remember we toured with him with the band Perry. And it's uh, it's cool to hear those stories in reverse almost. Can I can I just be like, there's such a part of me, and Sarah, you know this, like I'm just a keep my head down and all I ever do is work guy half the time. That was so true. Like, I look, that's the one regret I have on the road. Like, there were yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, you toured with people and you didn't even meet them. No, but like, I, I, I was, I was at, I went to the Blake, con Blake Shelton concert a few weeks ago and they were all laughing at, like, I went backstage and I was talking to some of the band guys that play for Blake and they were like, man, we used to make fun of you all the time when you weren't around because you're walking in with your podcast gear and you're like, guys, I'm going to make it in sports talk. And they're like, you never had fun. You never had a Here beer. You are. And I'm like, look at me now. Still, it's still. Okay, it's a message to all the kids out there. If you put in the work, you don't have to have any talent and no one has to know or like you and you could still make it That's i'm it. sorry is that what wow. the is wow. that what oh we were going God. with <laughs> wow. is, see chris this is what i do with every uh chris uh, this is this is our banter back and forth as right. uh, we constantly trash talk you mentioned you and kane are, are close and kane's obviously a georgia fan how insufferable are georgia country music fans this year with that team being so good oh uh, well so you and you've got the double whammy right so Georgia in college football is number one. And then also the Braves just won the World Series. So it is literally mm. everyone I know. I, Cole Swindell, Dallas Davidson, like writers, artists, friends of mine that are writers and artists. It's just like everybody's like, yeah, man, we did it. And I'm like, I don't think you played for the team. It's, it's kind of <laughs> weird that you're like, we did it. And they're running around. But it, it also is really cool because it's been, what, 26 years? Since the Braves won, yeah, the World Series, very cool. I mean, it's it's really cool to see people that excited, and you know, Nashville doesn't doesn't have baseball teams, so you were either a Cardinals fan or a Braves fan, and most people were Braves fans that I grew up with. So, I like how twenty six years is a long time. I'm a Cubs fan, so uh, it it was it was a, a bit more uh, magical <laughs> after a hundred and eight. Oh, uh, trust me, <laughs> I know. I, and and the other weird thing. Um, 
one, I'm a huge fan of you as well. I've I've told Jason well, this before, but I appreciate that. I I consume and follow everything sports, and I loved watching you on Around the Horn and everything else. So it's it's really funny for me. I knew you were a Cubs fan. There's so many Chicagoans that move here. Yes, to Nashville, tons. And so it's like when that happened, I remember <laughs> like the CMAs got over. And everybody was like at the after party, and they're supposed to be like walking around and hanging out. No one was paying any attention to anything but the TV. They were watching the Cubs game. Yeah, we <laughs> we travel strong to warmer places. If you're in Arizona, Florida, Nashville, we have a lot of uh, outposts where you could find a whole lot of us. Hey, I wanted to ask you about the CMAs because in sports world, we talked a lot about getting back to being in the stands for games and how it just felt so different looking ahead to a season where we could actually be there in person. Obviously, music awards and concerts and everything was just as heavily hit. What's it like to actually get back to some of these award shows? Did you kind of like being at home on your couch, or you like to get dressed up and get out with everybody? Uh, Somewhere in the middle. I mean, I (laughs) I like to work. So my thing is I want to be, you know, in rooms with people writing songs. I want to be out there playing shows for people where they're actually, you know, visible and not through a computer screen. So uh, it's been an interesting, you know, almost couple of years now. But the fact that things are starting to open up and and get to a point where we can go out and play shows and and be a part of award shows like this is, is amazing. All right, so the real question is for anyone that doesn't follow Porter the Dog, that would be Chris's dog on Instagram. Uh, How's Porter the Dog feel about you getting back out to work? uh, He probably likes it the least out of anyone that I know. Um, (laughs) Because he, you know, I mean, I I bring my dog on the road with me. I'm I'm lucky enough to, you know, I travel by bus most of the time. So he's got a kennel on there, and he sleeps, like, right next to me on the bus, and he goes all over the country. But, um you know, with more and more stuff popping up where it's not, hey, bring your dog to work day every day, <laughs> and I have to leave the house. You can see, like, he he's a German Shepherd, and he knows. He's smart. He, he sees me getting ready to leave, and he's like, not now, man. Come on. All right, so, Chris, before we let you get out of here, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, you're a big Cowboys fan. The Cowboys are obviously having an electric year. At what point do you let yourself have the joy and realize that the Cowboys could be a Super Bowl contender? Oh, man. See, <laughs> that that just seems like such a trap. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are recording on this. I, we'll bring it back later just to mock you yeah, if things right, go terribly let me, wrong. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll play the, uh, the reverse Uno card. At what point do you let your think uh, do you let yourself think, Jason, that the uh, Raiders are a Super Bowl contender? Uh, yeah. About, I don't know, with three minutes left in the Super Bowl, they're up by 70. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about the answer on that. Yeah. I Look, I, I believe in them. And obviously, you know, I've, I've gotten to know Dak over the past several years through charity work and just got to be friends with him, gone fishing with him. I'm, I'm all in. I think they've got an incredible team this year. It's just all about the things that are kind of out of their control, right? Continue to move forward, stay healthy, and uh, fingers crossed, man. I, I, I believe they could be a Super Bowl contender this year. I really do. Well, I believe you all should watch the CMA Awards November 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern, just to watch Chris. And as always, check out The Quad, a great podcast that Chris has got going with his buddies that talk about sports and music. It's always great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for coming on with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for giving me some time. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.